everybody was coming in and saying they didn't know why this happened to me and why, you know, they were wondering why I wasn't saying why me. And all I could think about in the middle of the night was why not me? This is my opportunity to just shine and to be that person who inspires total strangers. What's good, you guys? I am D Lake, and you have just tuned in to Success on Demand, a community where we discuss how to make your dreams profitable. All right, you guys, I am D Lake, and we're here with another podcast. We have a very special guest on the show today, and her name is Merlina Valentine. She has an exceptional story, and I'm sure she'll have a lot of good things to say about how she got to where she is right now. And I just want to give her a few moments to introduce herself before we jump into the interview, because I have a ton of questions for her. But I want you guys to, you know, just hear a little bit of her introduction first. Well, hello. I'm excited to be here. Um, Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Erlina Valentine. I am a wonderful, um, excited person about being able to share my story today. I have been a lifelong educator of over 30 plus years, a teacher, assistant principal, principal and executive director of elementary schools in a district that was very highly successful. I've experienced a wonderful career. And recently, as of last year, I retired. I am currently the owner of Merlina Valentine Consulting, LLC, and a motivational speaker. I am excited to be able to share a very unique and special story that I have today during our interview and excited that we all get to spend some time together uh, learning and growing together. So I'm so happy that you just gave your introduction the way that you did because it made me change away, change around the questions that I wanted to ask you in the order. Um, the first thing that I would like to know is um, in 2006, we'll say, because we know your life changed in 2007. In 2006, how would you say your life was? What were some of your goals and things that you had planned for yourself? Uh, in 2006, I was a second year building principal and I had set out a 10-year plan of how I was going to proceed in my principalship and taking my school into a very, very um, different past because we were excited about the growth opportunity we were having in our school. Things were on path um, and on track for great success. I created a 10-year plan with the help of my school building level administrators as well as my district. I thought that I had my entire life planned out. Personally, I was experiencing um, a bit of a challenge as I had just gone through a divorce and I was uh, raising my daughter who was uh, going to be a senior the following year. So there were lots of things in my life that were changing, but it was all changes that I was making for myself. I um, always was a person who planned ahead and prepared for everything and thought about not only the plan, but what actions I needed to take. And so I was experiencing a lot of success and a lot of change that were uh, that was very good for um, my life and my career. And in 2007, what happened? Well, in 2007, I began the school year as I did every other year. It was my 21st year in education. I was welcoming my students to another school year at the Meet the Teacher night when I had a pretty sharp pain in my side and and I'm not a person that runs to the doctor for every little thing but this one felt differently and so I decided to get it checked out Um, later diagnosed that next day with a kidney stone that kidney stone um, was something that I'd heard about from a lot of people seemed very common I'm sure most people have known someone or themselves have experienced a kidney stone so I wasn't panicked in the least bit about it Um, just knew that I needed to take care of it but I also knew that on Wednesday and this was on Tuesday I needed to open up the school year it was the first day of school so that was my big goal to be able to be there and welcome my students to a new year I 
needless to say, um, just this year, I did not make it to that first day of school. I became violently ill on Tuesday night, um, felt like I had flu symptoms, some symptoms I'd never had before, um, fever, very sluggish, uh, nausea, and I arrived, uh, I went to the first hospital, and um, they basically said I was probably um, experiencing the flu or flu-like symptoms to, you know, go ahead and take care of myself, and I probably wouldn't be able to go to school that next day and it was true because that morning when I woke up I knew I couldn't move um, over the course oh of that gosh. week I visited um, two other hospitals where um, they could not figure out what was going on with me I mentioned that I had a kidney stone was anything I experiencing was that related to the stone um, most people said no it, it probably was not they were still checking and then by Friday which was August 17th it's almost 10 years right um, to this uh, upcoming uh, month that I um, realized that something was drastically wrong when I arrived at the fourth hospital uh, via ambulance and at that point I did hear uh, one of the doctors in the emergency room tell my family that if I'd arrived just 30 minutes later he did not think I would make it that's how sick I was I later learned um, that my family was also told on uh, that particular night that I had a less than 10% chance at surviving the night. Uh, I was experiencing sepsis and the kidney stone had blocked my kidney and infection was raging throughout my body, um, every major organ shutting down. And uh, I was a very, very sick person and all of this was something um, that I had not ever <laughs> made a plan for. And so um, that's when I realized that change could choose me and that I would just have to figure out how to make that work. And so as a result of that, I became very ill in August of 2007. And from there, it caused uh, my entire life to change uh, the sepsis. Uh, I did survive that night, of course, and I'm very thankful and grateful for um, that miracle in my life. And um, I had a long battle, a two-year battle back to regaining my quality of life. And as a result of the sepsis, I wasn't left unchanged. I also, um, after recovering, three weeks in the ICU, three months in the hospital, learned wow. that I would be facing four amputations because the blood flow had been compromised through to my limbs. And so I lost both of my legs below the knee and both of my hands. Uh, but that did not stop me. I was one determined person. And so for two years, I fought until I could regain my quality of life, learn to use my prosthetic hands, prosthetic legs, and return to my job as a school principal. Oh my goodness. And the the crazy thing is when I met you, which was at the um, Black Educators Rock Conference, yes. I had known a bit about your story, but I didn't know the full extent of the battle that you faced and where you had to come from in order to still be successful and achieve the goals that you had for yourself. And, and that's absolutely amazing what you did Thank because you. I had no idea, no idea at all. So it's very enlightening to me and it kind of makes you feel like, you know, um, you know, God will never give you more than what you can bear. Yeah, I do <laughs> believe you, you he gives his strongest battles to his strongest soldiers. And so I thank him for my strength every day. Yes, yes, because you can, when I tell you, when I sat there and watched you speak during your breakout session, originally I thought that only your um, hands were amputated. I okay. didn't even know that your hands and your, you know, legs below the knee had been amputated both of them I had no idea that's yes. how you carry yourself you're you're so strong when you carry yourself that it doesn't even show at all that's what made me just you know gravitate towards you and want to know more and figure out how we can share your story so that you can inspire others because we, we've just you know hit the tip of the iceberg <laughs> we haven't even gotten into you know the the things that you're doing now um so the, the next question that I have for you is, how did your goals change after, you know, you went through what you went through in 2007? And at what point did you decide that you actually wanted to go back and, you know, regain your role as principal? 
Well, um, I decided uh, pretty much in ICU once I was brought out of a medically induced coma and figured out what was actually happening to me. I had lots of time in that hospital room when I was alone and, you know, had lots of time to think about what was happening and what the future would be like. I heard medical professionals uh, give me the speech that they had to give me because medically that was something I needed to hear that my life would be very different, that it would be very challenging to do some of the everyday tasks that most people take for granted. And I understood that was their role to inform me of what was medically possible and, and things that their experiences had taught them. And the whole while I kept thinking, they don't know me. They don't know the drive that I have <laughs> inside of me. They don't know the passion and they don't know my faith. And so I'm going to mm-hmm. listen and smile and take Take it all in and and let them know that I understand that's their role, but I have a bigger plan. Um, I thought I had set goals and high lofty goals for myself throughout my entire life, but in that hospital bed, I set some pretty big goals for myself. One was to regain my quality of life. Um, Nothing motivated me more besides being with family and friends uh, to want to fight more than getting back to the children. I am very passionate about what I do and, and who I am as an educator. And so I preach to children for, you know, thousands of children throughout my 30-year career that they need to never say the word can't and they always need to persevere in tough times. So I knew it was time for me to um, actually be an example. And so wow. I decided in that hospital room with all my quiet time that I had in that two-year recovery that I had not finished what I started as a school principal. I had something bigger in store for me, and I realized that I was left here for a reason. Mm. And um, I kept saying, everybody was coming in and saying they didn't know why this happened to me and why, you know, they were wondering why I wasn't saying why me. And all I could think about in the middle of the night was why not me? This is my opportunity to just shine and to be that mm-hmm. person who inspires total strangers, let alone the people who love and know me very well, and especially children. And so I set a goal for myself in the hospital bed, probably the second week that I was there that I was going to use this as my opportunity to be a living, shining example of what happens when you work hard, when you're committed, when you're dedicated, when you're passionate, and you have faith. And so I set that goal very early on in my illness to regain my quality of life, to figure things out. But most importantly, I was hoping my district believed in me and my abilities enough to give me that job back. I wasn't finished and actually they did. And so I was very humbled by that, very thankful. And how much the community and my school craved my return. Um, I got tons of emails and calls and text messages saying we can't wait till you return and I thought all these people are waiting on me and and counting on me and looking to me as you know to see how they should react in tough times so I made a decision pretty early on to set a goal to number one regain that quality of life but number two um, dance my way back into my school and be an example to my children of what happens when you truly persevere tough times. Oh, my goodness. And I I know you set a good example because I've watched a few different um, segments about your story and how the kids just react to you. And I know it's because of who you are in the inside and how it radiates out when you're in the room. Yes, I believe in building those relationships. Yes. And you said you've been teaching for how long? When you had been teaching for how long? That was my 21st year as an educator. So I taught for 17 years and the rest of the time I was uh, in administration. Yes. And I know you have your um, consulting that you do now. At what point did you decide that you actually wanted to, um, you know, go out and make your own type of agency? Yes, um, that actually was something that I always had on the back burner. Uh, even when I was in the classroom, I would go to professional development and into conferences and say, you know, I could be doing what they're doing. I could be up there helping people on a bigger scale. But my priority was to make sure that the children in my building were cared for and taken care of at all times. And so I didn't feel I had the time to commit myself to doing that. I did it part time. I did it when time allowed. But it was always a goal of mine to say 
I want to touch more people on a larger scale. I believe that we should all do our part to help instead of sitting there complaining about what's happening. Do your part to make it better. And so I always had it in the back of my mind that it was something I wanted to do. Um, Last year, I made 30 years as an educator, something they told me I would never get to do when I was in the hospital. Basically, I was told I wouldn't get to finish my very challenging and demanding career. And so I I set out to prove them wrong, and I did. Um, And I said, you know, if I make it to that 30-year mark, which is a big benchmark in my life, I believe that at that point I may be able to uh, step away from the school-level experience and actually begin to think about more nationwide kinds of outreaches where I'm able to talk to educators from all over the country, and not just educators, businesses and and just people all over and inspire them with my story and as I said I believe that I was left here to tell this story so it was a point where I said you know there's more that's expected of me because I was given so much and so now I need to live up to that and so I I believe that once I finished my 30th year it became clear to me it was time to take that leap. Wow and how did you make that transition how did you well, make that transition from school to consulting? And, and that was the challenging part because it was easy to um, work myself through the process and the planning because I'm such a, a thinker and I always try to do my research and, and plan out every moment. But there were lots of things that were uncertain to me about the business world and the corporate world and outside of the educational realm. And I said, you know, I'm not ready to leave the educational world. So I want to be sure that what I do still keeps me connected to children, to educators, to administrators, because I still believe I've got a role to play in making sure every child has a quality education. Matter of fact, a high quality education. So I knew that the way that that would happen would be through me being able to coach and work with schools and individuals and as well as people in leadership roles no matter what Mm -hmm. organization because I believe that what made me successful was that I was a leader and I was a leader throughout my entire life even as a young child and so I know there's some qualities I have in me that people respected and valued and so it was time for me to kind of share that with others what I did was begin researching on the internet and looking at other people who were consulting I always go to whoever's being successful those are the people I want to research because I want to see what are they doing that I need to emulate things that I need to copy and things that I need to start setting as my my goals. And so I began with researching some consultants and looking online for people who were successful, who had written books and were sharing their resources with others and doing YouTube videos. And so I spent a lot of time just looking at my computer screen, digging inside of everybody's mind that's on there, making themselves accessible to me. I also sought out some mentors that are people who are successful in the business who had no problem with giving me some advice and telling me to begin with, hey, going to the State Department and setting up your LLC and then setting out a goal for you and also coming up with your business plan. What are you going to actually provide as a service? You know, because some people want to offer everything and that's not always the best thing to do when you're starting out. I needed to focus on what are my strengths and what do I have to offer to people? How can I help them solve problems or address a need? And then that's where I want to focus on being of service, which is what I've done all my life, be of service to others. So I did lots of research in that area. I also, of course, bought every book that I could find that was of interest to me from people who were successful. I began reading five to six hours a day um, so that I knew the, the background that I needed to in order to you know, be able to support someone who was in need. And I just think that my experiences were enough because it wasn't about me anymore. I'm going to be helping others. And so I had to shift that focus a little bit from me and what my needs were to being able to be a benefit to the people I would be serving, um, my customers, the people that I believe need my help. And so that's kind of what I did. A lot of research, a lot of looking to people who were successful, um, a lot of things on the internet that are very helpful, that are right there at your fingertips. I did every webinar I could find that was free before I would purchase one just to see if it was what I was looking for. And so I still do that. I devote at least six hours a week to webinars and um, research that I need in order to continue to keep up with what's happening. Oh, my goodness. So you're definitely putting in the footwork. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) 
most people that I talk to when I'm doing my consulting, because I consult small business owners, when I'm talking with them and they're like, you know, I want to um, help people with natural hair. And I go, okay, well, you know, um, how are you investing in yourself to learn more about it? <laughs> and when they're like, well, you know, um, I have years of experience. And I go, but what are you going to do when things start to change? Absolutely. When new techniques come out or when you just need to be aware of what it, what something is that you're not able to use anymore. So you're, you're definitely putting in that footwork to make sure that you're aware at all times of what's changing in your specific industry. Yes. So that was awesome to hear and um something that you know business owners are told a lot when they're first starting is that you know you need to do your research and you need to figure out how you can be um you know a better assistance to the people who you're serving and figuring out what problem you're solving and you're already doing that but I wanted to ask you um how did you find your target audience who is it that you serve specifically my uh, a primary customer would be someone in a leadership role. I started there because I believe that as a building principal, there were so many things about being a good leader that I developed over that time that I believe would help you know, leaders of any capacity in any business um, or setting. And so I, I started there with, I believe that was my target audience. As I go out and share my story about perseverance and survival, courage and hope, I'm noticing that my audience is changing and the people that I intended to serve, it's kind of shifting on me and I'm okay with that because I'm noticing now that it is, um, something that I can do a little bit on a, a broader scale other than in the education world. I've been asked to do some empowerment sessions and uh, women's networks and, and things that are empowering people to just believe in themselves and to actually say, you know, when times get hard, there are things we need to do to keep going and, and using my story as an example. And so I believe that number one, my top priority is to address anything that has to do with school leaders and improving the school climate and education of our children. That's my primary, most passionate area. But I'm also learning that through my experiences and going out to where I'm asked to present, I'm meeting people that need me on a different capacity. And it's about those life lessons that I can teach and the, the things that I offer to people who are encountering adversity and, and tough times. And in this you know, current time of what's happening in our country, I'm noticing that people are willing to draw on anything that's positive and uplifting and using that to motivate themselves to keep going. So I believe that my business is shifting quickly on me with, without even my consent or, or acknowledgement. Um, <laughs> But I'm okay with that because I also feel very rewarded when I leave these other kinds of sessions that weren't even in my plan, my original plan. And I feel so fulfilled knowing that there are people in the audience, total strangers who leave saying, you know, your story has motivated me to go back and do something that I've always wanted to do. So I'm, wow. I'm focusing mostly on my education world and corporate America with leaders and, and training leaders. But I'm also seeing another side, which was that inspirational side that I said would come later. It's happening now as I'm evolving. And, and I'm pretty okay with that because I'm loving the feeling that I have when I leave these groups. Oh my gosh, it sounds like, and I know that this is what you do because I experienced one of your sessions, that you pour into people all of the time, especially with your consulting. How do you, um, you know, pump yourself back up? How do you pour into yourself after, you know, long days of speaking? Well, the first thing that anybody who meets me, meets me um, tells me is that they're excited just by being in my presence because I have always been, as I told them, I was a high school cheerleader. I think I never got rid of that. I'm very, very um, <laughs> excited about life. I always was a very motivating person, someone who was inspired easily myself, and I believe I look to positive people. I always surrounded myself with positive people. I think that's the key for me. I know that my happiness and my attitude are a choice every morning, and I'll wake up saying, you know, right after I say that 
main thing that I'm grateful for that morning is just to be alive. The second thing that I say is I'm grateful for being able to choose the right attitude and to choose to be positive that day. I carry that with me throughout the day. And I think after I've done a speech, I'm even more excited about what's just happened. And so it just snowballs. Sometimes I have to remind myself to settle down because it's even hard to go to sleep at night. And, and I'd laugh because my husband will say, okay, can you bring it down just a little bit? Because oh I'm, I'm like excited about the next day and what I have planned. And, you know, and my family will say all the time, here she comes, you know, Miss Motivator. And I'm like, no, I'm not that over the top, am I? And they're like, well, sometimes. So for me, it's been that it's always been inside of me. I think it got magnified by what happened to me because I became more aware of the little things in life, that those little things are really the big things and that I needed to pay attention more to the small victories, the small celebrations in order to keep going in those tough times. So I look for little things that I can celebrate every day to say, you know what, today is a good day. This happened, this happened, this happened, and tomorrow's going to be even better. So it's internal for me, but I want to tell that tell you that anybody can have the same feeling about life because it's always a choice. It's always a choice. Wow. And you know what? You walked right into my next question because you're Good. giving me so much to go off of, you know? Good. Every time you say something, it adds a question to my list. That's how I knew I was going to have a lot to talk about with you. Um, right. So the, the next question that I have is, how do you encourage someone or what would you say to someone who you're consulting who is just, um, you know, their attitude may not be in the right place or they're, they're feeling really negative or that they're not in control of things that are going on for them at the time. Well, one thing that I had to remember um, as I was thinking about what is it that I offer to someone that another person you know, what makes me better than that next person coming along and promising to give that customer their very best. And I believe it was truly that I focus on how do I make sure that my actions and my words match my beliefs and that Mm -hmm. I think sometimes that's what people need to go back to and reflect upon. You know, if you're saying that you want to be this great leader, this great educator, this great person, and then your actions don't match that or your words don't match that, then you're never going to achieve. And so I always ask them to begin with reflecting. I give questions that I ask them to answer in saying, you know, this is what you say you're, you know, you're looking for. This is what you want out of life. But then these are the things that I hear you saying on a daily basis or these are the things I watch you do. And, and I had to do that a lot even as a building principal as parents came in or even children and they were saying, I want to be successful. And then I'm like, but you aren't doing your homework. So I always (laughs) ask him to reflect on, you know, do your actions and words match what you say you want and your belief system? The other thing that I say is that, you know, I talk about if our desire is to be great and we want success in life, then, you know, it's success is right on that other side of fear. And sometimes we got to draw the line and then cross over it because I think people don't succeed because they give up too soon. And so I tell them my story and say, you know, the biggest thing is all these people who have achieved great things in life are probably people who said, I'm not giving up until it happens. And some of us tend to quit because it gets tough or because it isn't happening as fast as we want it to. And right at that moment where we're quitting, the next moment was probably going to be when we had our breakthrough. So I do a lot of that using my story to tell people, you know what? Nobody said life would be easy, but they said if you worked hard and did what you needed to do, it'd be worth it. So I, I know for a fact my life's worth it. Oh, my gosh. And that is the best way that you could have answered that question. Because just from someone listening to that answer that you just gave, I feel like it would inspire them and it would help them because it helped me, you know, because no one no one said that life would be easy, just like you said. So there are times where you're like, you know, can I do this? Am I able to achieve this? Can I accomplish this? And that is a great tactic to have and, you know, activity to do with yourself so that you can just you know, regain that clarity to know that it is possible. You just have to keep going and not give up. Absolutely. So um, as far as you just being, you know, a motivated, positive and happy person in general, 
um, what is your best resource? Like, what is something that you um, constantly go to? I know you mentioned the webinars earlier, but is there anything else that you go to to, you know, get inspired or motivated? Uh, I can tell you that I'm a very faithful person. So, of course, I will begin with my faith and and knowing where I do get my strength from. Outside of that, when I'm thinking about how do I stay motivated and what are my go-to things, I, um, as I told you before, I read a lot. And most of what I read are inspirational books, books by people who have endured tough times or who have survived things that people thought were you know, not going to be something that they would overcome. I also um, do the same with, you know, people tend to put things on YouTube that you don't even realize there's such great things out there that Mm -hmm. the three-minute video can change your life. So I do spend time on YouTube. Um, I am a techie. I I will admit that. I need a (laughs) 12-step plan for um, (laughs) technology, but I use it for my benefit and to enhance my life and not to be a distraction. I look to um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all those social media platforms. There is so much out there that is uplifting, inspiring, and motivating. And I weed through the stuff that isn't until I find what I need. And sometimes I'll watch the same video five times if it's something that I truly feel like I need this to recharge my battery. So I turn to others who are putting messages out there that helped me and helped me stay on my path to remaining positive and uplifted and motivating. I also have a great support system, um, family, friends, my husband, my daughter. We're a very close-knit group. Um, my family also provides that motivation I need because I know that they're all watching me and my reaction to everything that's happening in life. Because I tell you, every day I have some new obstacle or hurdle I need to overcome every single day and they're always waiting to say is she going to get frustrated and give up and just ask for our help or you know is she going to keep trying and they laugh because they say I'll keep waiting for that day where you give up and you haven't done it yet I won't and so those are you know some of the things that I do I look for those inspirational things that the internet can provide social media provides that my support system provides and that my faith provides those are the things I turn to Oh, my gosh. And something that I hear very often is family, family as being a very, very good support system. And I I can agree with that because my family is very supportive as well. So I can see why it's um, something that I hear throughout the interviews that I do with successful people such as yourself. So I was very happy to hear that, especially since, you know, you put passion behind your family. So I, I definitely agree with that. And as far as how you invest into yourself, as far as the the webinars and making sure that you're reading, is there anything else that you're um, looking forward to investing into for your consulting or for, you know, the business that you have now? Well, one big thing that I've always had as a goal, um, even as a young educator, I often picked up books. I have a love of reading and I always wanted to be an author. Um, In school, I was one of the best writers in the class all the time, but I never took it any further and, and thought, you know, this is all I'm intended to do, which is to be an educator. As my story unfolded and people started saying when I would go out and present or speak to a group, it was do you have a book? I'd love to read more about your story. I'd love to (laughs) learn how you overcame. Can you share some of your insights with us? So I started saying, you know, I need to capture all this stuff that I share in, in a book so that people who are not hearing my speeches or people who want to know more can leave with something in their hands like I do and pick up a book and say, I needed this today. So my big investment that I have as my next step is to actually take all the notes that I have my outline and everything that I've been just, you know, putting on paper every now and then and actually writing my first book. So that is actually in the works. And of course, that's an investment in money, but it's a big investment in time. And Mm so um, I think it's something that I believe is it's time for me to do that. People ask me for it. And I, I think it's something that would benefit myself as well as the people that I serve to have something that I can leave them with. 
Yes, that is very true. Very, very true. Because I would read your book. Oh, great. <laughs> I would definitely read I'll your book. i put you down as my first customer. <laughs> Please let me know because I was just going to do my next question was going to be, well, when is the book going to come out? But oh, then, you, yeah. then you said, well, I'm going to start writing it. So I'll give it some time before I start chasing you down about it. But yes. <laughs> I definitely would read your book. And um, how important would you say investing in yourself is not just for you, but for even some of the clients who you consult? I think it's critical because, as I said, if you're not aware of what's happening in the current best practices and knowing that you want to be an expert in your field and whatever that field is, yet you don't keep up with what's going on, you're not going to provide them with the best that they need. So I firmly believe that I need to spend the time, I need to spend the money, I need to do the research, I need to reflect. After every presentation that I do, I sit and I critique myself and give myself a grade and um, I'm pretty hard on myself, pretty tough on myself because I believe that through my reflection I can only enhance what I'm doing, improve myself and then provide for others exactly what they're looking for. I need to be able to follow up and follow through and that's what I do. So I always try to deliver on what I promise and I do that by reflecting and investing in getting to know myself and the needs of the people that I'm serving. And I believe that that investment is so worth it if you're in business or not. And I'm thinking before I even thought about consulting, I often just sat on a Saturday and a Sunday and poured through um, resources so I could be a better principal for my teachers because I wanted to be knowledgeable. I wanted to be able to answer their questions and support them. The same as in your family. I mean, I'll read relationship books. If I have a friend who comes to me with an issue and I'll say, you know, I don't want to talk off the top of my head. So let me think about something I've read that might help you. And I'll suggest a book to them. So I think in no matter what capacity you are living your life, you should invest in yourself. Because if you're empty, how can you give to anyone else? I, I believe wow. I got to fill myself up first in order for me to pour into all these people that I, I really need to serve. So I strongly believe in taking the time to, you know, make yourself better first. Oh, my goodness. And that quote you just said, you just made me write it down because I'm definitely <laughs> going to attach that to the, the notes in this podcast. Good, um, good. I'm happy that you went back to um, something that you did before you actually retired, because one more question that I had for that time period in your life is when you were, um, you know, still a principal before you had retired, how were you um, juggling everything that you were doing? How did you... How did you plan your time accordingly so that you made sure that you were on top of everything? Well, um, one thing that I am is very organized. I, every single night before I went to bed, I listed every task that I needed to do the next day. I had a list of a list of a list, and it wasn't just a list to have a list, but I actually would check off and um, make sure that I didn't go to bed the next night until that entire list was completed. I was wow. extremely organized, um, but I also knew not to bite off more than I could chew. So mm -hmm. if it wasn't realistic, I didn't put it down. And then I gave myself enough time to achieve things and make sure that I wasn't you know, setting myself up for failure. So I was very organized. I also... Um, slept very little and so I believe that I was a very fast-paced person I only needed a few hours of sleep so if I woke up at 3 a.m. emails were going out I was responding to teachers I was sending them resources um, they laughed because they said you woke me up last night when my phone went off because you <laughs> sent an email at 3 a.m. I said well that's when I got up and my brain was working so I, oh I think I'm very driven almost to a fault but I believe that it was what I needed to do in order for me to be successful but to help my staff be successful for my students. So I spend a lot of my personal time um, devoted to my career, and I believe that's what I chose to do. Everybody doesn't choose that route, but I knew when I decided to be an educator that it required a lot of my personal time to be devoted to my career. And I was okay with that because I was touching the future, so I wasn't going to do it and do it halfway. So I, I know that my organization helped the fact that I was very task oriented. I could multitask and I chose to delegate when I needed to so that people who could help me and support me through things that 
you know, they could handle, I trusted them to do that. So delegation was a big part for me to learn as a leader because I wanted to make sure I touched everything and made sure it was right. But I learned that there were great people around me who could do the job mm-hmm. sometimes better than I could. So I trusted them. Wow. And that's a huge tip. I just read something about that the other day, talking about how you can be um, the person who is the, the jack of all trades, but why not be the person who is the expert at what you know you can do and have other people around you who can be experts at the things that you're not the expert at? And Absolutely. I think that that can be a huge game changer, especially when you're even if you're just in a career and you're trying to make things better, just like you said, you can still touch everything, but allow the trust to go into other people yes. so that they can do a good job as well. And I did a good job of surrounding myself with people who had the same goals that I had, the same shared vision for success for our students. And I mean, some pretty awesome people. So I said, if you know, I trust them to be in the classroom with our children. They can do the things that I, you know, feel like I'm the only one that can touch it. I'm not. So I had to learn to be humble and say, you know, I'm not the expert of everything. So I, I trust the people I surround myself with. Yes, definitely. And that's part of the reason why you're successful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I believe so. And post-retirement, I know everyone has different ways of how they advertise and promote themselves. How do you promote yourself now that you are consulting and traveling and speaking to different audiences? Well, I had to learn um, early on in, in this whole consulting business world that branding myself was not just about having a cute logo or some nice flyers or pretty colors that branding myself and marketing myself was about word of mouth and delivering what you promised and Mm. that my service was going to be the way that I made myself you know stand out from the next person so it took me a while to realize as I focused on I need the perfect business card and the perfect logo and, and you know I like the color purple and so you know I was thinking of those physical things and realizing when I left that wasn't what people remembered what they remembered was did I do a good job and did I meet their needs so it was a mindset shift for me because I thought that's what it was branding because you always heard about branding and making sure this stuff is in place but truly my name and word of mouth became my brand and in the way that I delivered what I delivered now I've been using social media um, I was not someone who tweeted before this consulting <laughs> business I didn't know what Twitter really was I had to ask my 28 year old daughter to actually set me up and tell me what to do because I didn't want to make a mistake and tweet something oh, that wasn't worthy and so um <laughs> I was a pro at Facebook, and so, of course, I did my own business page on there, and I also um, used Twitter and LinkedIn, which LinkedIn, I had no idea that it existed prior to that. I did some research online and saw that so many people were using it um, for connections and for building, you know, a network of people, and just recently, you know, I've been putting a lot on there and making sure I update and and connect with lots of people in my um, you know, education world as well as the business world. And I had someone contact me from my LinkedIn profile and say, hey, I see that you're a speaker and, you know, this is what I learned. And so I thought, well, this actually reached one person. So that's the beginning. So I think that um, word of mouth has been very good. Whenever I present, I ask the person who actually booked me, you know, if I did a good job, if my evaluations come in the way that, you know, I think they will and that you're pleased with what I've what I've done please recommend me to someone else who may be in need of, you know, my services. And typically that's what I've gotten the most results from, the word of mouth from someone that I've actually worked with. And also using that social media platform. Those are the main ways that I've actually started expanding um, my customer base. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. I'm happy that you mentioned LinkedIn because a lot of people are kind of lax about LinkedIn and and maybe they don't quite know how to use it. Um, When you were saying that you just, um, you know, update everything on there and make sure you post, are you more so just um, like posting to your LinkedIn profile or um, when you're making those connections, do you like reach out to people as well? Like how do you operate on LinkedIn? 
I, I will post something that I feel is worth um, the people who are connected me reading or learning about me, but I will make individual connections based on um, things that I see the others that are in my I guess, connected group um, post. And so if I saw someone talking about school climate in some of their particular posts or in, you know, something that they've put on LinkedIn, I'll actually reach out to them and say, hey, I know a lot about that. I, I can tell you all about building a positive school climate, school culture. Here are, you know, my credentials. Here's, you know, what I offer. And I've gotten some responses that have been very positive from that. Some, of course, don't reply and that's okay because I feel if I reach out to 100 and just 10 reply, I think I've done a great job. It's a, one more way that I can reach um, people who are outside of my, you know, local area. So I will do um, private messages if I feel like this client has posted something that requires me to share my personal information or what I have as my LinkedIn profile doesn't give them enough. They'll ask me through a private message. Hey, can you share with me your website and um, some um actual articles that maybe have been written about you or some videos that you may have. So I get the same thing, some direct messages as well as people who say, I followed your post and now I want to check you out. Can you give me more information? So I'm just learning how to really use that um, that particular um, app to make sure that I'm actually having it grow my business and not just be something that I'm distracted by trying to figure it out. So it's something that I've been really um, enjoying my time I spend on there. Wow. Thank you for that. Thank you sure. so much for that. And the last question that I have for you, which is um, one of my hot topic questions, and it's not that it's a hot topic, it's just a personal question, <laughs> is what is your favorite quote, something that inspires you or motivates you? Um... I believe, and I don't want to misquote it, but I'll paraphrase it in my <laughs> own words. Um, and um, it's that people will forget. I'm trying to think of it how I always paraphrase it so my children oh, can understand it. Um, is it Maya Angelou? Yes. Isn't that it? People forget, they how, forget you, how you um, feel or something like that. Correct. But they'll never forget how you made them feel. And oh. so that's... Um, pretty much how I operate that people don't remember what I do all the time they don't remember what I say all the time they may not remember what I taught them but what my children who return to me 30 years later later as adults say to me is that I remember in your class I always felt that you cared about me that you loved me and so I believe it's all about how you make people feel through your interactions and encounters with them um, that's what I've lived my life as an educator and as a human being by every encounter that I have I hope when people walk away they can genuinely feel that I cared about them and that I made them feel welcome valued and loved so I think that's something that I hold on to it and it's a shame that I don't have it memorized because I was so busy always trying to teach it to young children <laughs> that I would make it sound the way I needed it to sound but so I think works. that's my most powerful one so um that's definitely one. Um, the other thing that I just wanted to say is oftentimes uh, we're working with young children and not just young children. I think adults and people often say if there were one thing that you could share that, you know, you wish you knew earlier in life and that it would have made a difference potentially in where you are. I would say, um, you know, I, I have this one thing that's always a burning thing I like to make sure I express whenever I'm interviewed or I speak, and that is that if I could go back and tell myself one thing, and it would be that I would be more of a risk taker um, as and a young adult, as a young child, and even as a career educator, I always played it safe. I always wanted to be sure that my dreams and living out my passion didn't come at the expense of providing for my family. So I played it safe and I didn't always take risk and opportunities that came. I would say, oh, I'm not sure I want to jump on that because it means taking a risk and it could potentially not go the way it was planned. I've learned after all this happened to me that it's okay to be uncomfortable and to do wow. things that you didn't think you could do and maybe you might fail the first time but use that failure 
as a learning opportunity. And so if I say anything to anyone is that if you have a dream, if you have a passion and you're not living it out because you want to play it safe and you want to feel secure, sometimes that's a hindrance to us. And for me, it would have been that I jumped on some things earlier in life that probably would have altered the way that I lived out my life. But I don't live with regrets. I just say that if I could go back, I probably would have taken more risks about things that I wanted to do that I was passionate about. But I said, you know, let me play it safe. I got to stay, you know, with what I've suggested that I wanted to do in life and live out my plan. So that was one thing that I wanted to share. And I am so happy that you did because I was trying to um, think in my mind how how I wanted to end this interview with you because our interview just went all over the place and I'm so happy <laughs> because oh, you good, you gave good. us so many good like little nuggets that people can use in their lives and in their business so I'm I'm very happy that you ended the interview off with that and with your you know knowledge and and how you feel about something that you would change if you could go back so. Correct. Before I let you go, I do want to have you, um, you know, mention your social media handles on whichever of the social media networks that you're on, just so people can follow you. Sure. On Facebook, you can find me under Merlina Valentine Consulting. On Twitter, I am Merlina at Merlina Inspires. And on LinkedIn, it is just my name, Merlina Valentine. I think those are my... Um, that I really frequent a lot and that I feel if you want to connect to me, that's a great way to reach, reach me, as well as my website, MerlinaValentine.com. So those are the things that I feel. And I'm always looking for people to reach out to me so that I can, you know, create this network of people who are living life, enjoying life and living life on purpose. Yes. Oh, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. I'm, st I'm still excited that you're here and that you're, you know, talking to us and giving us a little bit of your knowledge and what you went through and how you've overcome it, because those are some of the best, you know, stories and bits of inspiration that you can get. And they're priceless. I thank you. I mean, this has been for me to sit sometimes and talk through my life and how I live each moment each day it's often uplifting for me so I appreciate the opportunity because as I reflect and go back to where I was 10 years ago it's been a pretty long road but one I'm so proud of and so happy about and so thankful for so I appreciate you giving me this time to kind of go down memory lane and, and relive some <laughs> of the things I've been through and then to see look how far you've come so I can't help but be yes. happy excited and wonderful so thank you for the opportunity and I got our quote so that people who are out there listening <laughs> will not think I don't remember it I've learned that people will forget what you said people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel and it is Maya Angelou oh yes thank you thank we you couldn't so let much that go without that no, I looked it up too because I was like you know what I'm we're gonna we're gonna say it before the interview is over we're gonna have to say it and we were Absolutely. on the same page so thank Good. you so much yes because that quote um is a very popular one but yes. I think that they're all there's still a lot of people who need to know about it yes <laughs> so absolutely. thank you and I'm looking forward to what you have coming next. And I will not forget about your book now. So All right. I'm going to give it some time, but then You're I'm going to get that email. Copy just because you said it first. <laughs> so you be ready for it. Yes, ma'am. And once again, um, thank you so much for coming. And to the listeners, she gave all of her information as far as the social media handles and her website. So if you have any questions for her, definitely reach out. Her story is absolutely amazing. And I'm, I'm sure there's still so much more to learn and different ways that she can inspire us. And that concludes our episode of Success on Demand. We have had Merlina Valentine on the episode and she was absolutely delightful we will catch you next time and once again i'm your host d lake and thanks for tuning in hi i'm merlina valentine and you've heard my story here on success on demand <laughs>